0: And so, I kind of know how it worked a little bit now, because I just throughout the week or building up, I can just sense agitation, and it's not a bad agitation I don't mean I'm agitated at anyone I'm just agitated because I sense that you're being attacked and you're being troubled, and that agitate me because my 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 love and passion for you and and for what I know God has chosen you to do gets agitated like no, 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 no. They need to be where they need to be, so God can do what He needs to do in their life. So, anytime you're you're challenged and your families your families are battling, it, 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 there is this this just this, this push and this agitation and passion that raises up in me like no other time, and I just know what's going on. So, I'm I'm on your side and I'm praying with you and I'm praying for you. Trust me, I am. And sometimes, you know, I know. We want to just shout it out. Sometimes we want to talk about it. But I tell you, prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do about anything that's going on with us. It's the most powerful thing that we can do. So we thank God for the privilege to pray. Thank God for listening to our prayers. All right, Genesis chapter 9. We're going to jump in Genesis chapter 9. But I do want to review... um, chapter 8, verse 20 and 21, because it sets up um, chapter 9. And so, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 says, and Noah built an altar upon the Lord, and and Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So, Noah when the ark landed and they got out of the ark, the Bible says Noah built an altar unto the Lord. By the way, in this this portion of scripture here in Genesis chapter 8, verse number 20, is the first reference of an altar. First reference of an altar. And so you need to make note of that. Now, a couple of things I want to make note of so you will... Uh, understand that how we need to deal with the Lord and how we need to connect with the Lord concerning our relationship. This is what we must understand from this altar being built. We must always celebrate by giving thanks and praise to God for all that he has done. (laughs) All right, one amen. Listen to me. Thanks for coming tonight, mama. Glad you can make it. (laughs) Listen to me. One of the things that kills us as Christians that I read about in the Bible, I'm teaching you the Bible. I'm not teaching you my concepts. I'm teaching you the Bible. When God does anything for us, we don't appreciate it like we need to. There's a scripture that Jesus talked about in one of the Gospels that he healed ten lepers. Y'all know the story. Only one came back. Jesus mentioned that, though, didn't he? You follow what I'm saying? He mentioned it. So if it didn't didn't do something to him, he wouldn't have mentioned it. Right? We normally mention things that mean something to us. And so he says, I thought there were ten of you. So always understand, God will appreciate thanksgiving and praise to him for all he has done for you. So the little minor things and the big things, we need to really take time out, set it aside. As a matter of fact, let me take it a step further according to what we are reading with Noah. Since this is the first mention of altar, let's kind of copy what Noah did. And what it is is Noah gave thanks and praise to God, but he couldn't do it without a sacrifice. Maybe that's why we don't give the praise and the thanksgiving to God, because it's going to warrant a sacrifice. In this particular scripture, the sacrifice is the animal. But in today's day and age, the sacrifice is you. So if you're going to give praise and thanksgiving to God, your heart has to be in it. Everything about you has to be in it. So I think we have missed the mark and we might have been missing out because we think thank you, Lord, and clapping our hands is giving praise and thanksgiving to God, appreciation to God. We just think, oh, God, thank you. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? When we just say thank you and clap our hands, oh, God, you're so good. Okay, where's the sacrifice? Because what I'm reading here is Noah built an altar, and he gave praise and thanksgiving is what it represented, but he had a sacrifice. So we can't offer God praise and thanksgiving if there's no sacrifice. So moving forward from today, according to what we're learning about God's word, If we're going to give praise and thanksgiving to God, you have to put all your heart, mind, and soul into it. You have to put all of you into it. You can't just clap your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. You can do it, but it's not an official praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. So you can do it, but just understand it means nothing to God. Because when it means something to God, God consumes the sacrifice. What he says, he inhabits the praises of his people. So it's clear in God's word that if you praise God and give thanks to God, but you don't feel the presence of God, then maybe you didn't really praise him and thank him like you need to. Right? Thank you, Brother Tom. So, understand that 21 says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savior. And the Lord said in his heart, "I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done." So when 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 Noah. Offered the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God and, and, and offered the sacrifice, it impressed God so much that God started saying things. All right, I, oh. God just started saying, okay, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. So here's clear indication. You want to get God's favor just flowing? Praise and thanksgiving with your life being the sacrifice. If we want God to just, what what we like to say, if we want him to blush, if we want God to just feel good, oh man, that's my child, he just, she just making me feel so good. He'll just give you stuff, give you stuff, give you stuff. He'll give you stuff you didn't ask for. Did Noah ask for these things? He just started blurting out stuff in his heart. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to destroy man anymore. Even though they're going to continue to sin because the imagination of their heart is just going to be evil continually. Even though they're going to sin, I'm not going to destroy them anymore. I'm going to make sure they're good no matter what. They're going to be all right. He's saying he's going to do stuff for us that Noah didn't ask him. God will do stuff for you if you will praise him and give him thanks when you offer yourself as the sacrifice of doing it. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Which rolled us now into Genesis chapter 9. Verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Tell your neighbor, we brothers or we're sisters if it's appropriate. We're brothers, we're sisters. Because because all of us came from Noah and, and his sons, I don't know what's our problem. I don't know what's our problem, Kamal. I don't know why we acting like we all different. We all bleed different blood. I don't know what's our problem. But the bottom line is, we're one people. One people. Listen to this. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of God, his entire family was saved. Hold on. It didn't say in Genesis chapter 6, and Noah's family found grace in the eyes of God. It says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And because he found grace in the eyes of God and moved by faith and started obeying God, his family follows suit. And when his family followed suit, they were saved and they experienced the blessings of God. Now you can get an understanding when I tell you you're chosen by God to bring blessing to your family and to help them get saved. These are some things that you have to realize why you have to keep on pressing and keep on living for God because there is generations that's behind you that you're responsible for not because you made yourself responsible but because God made you responsible there's generations There's people from afar off that's connected to you, not because you made it that way, but because God made it that way. And God needs you to keep on going because that's their hope of what they will hold on to to come to know God. Don't take your walk with God lightly. Don't think it means nothing. Don't think if you give up, it's just you that get messed up. That's a big one. That's a big one. You think if you... I just can't take this anymore. This is just rough for me. Right now, I'm just in a bad place. I'm just gonna, I just need to take a sabbatical. I just need to leave this thing alone. I need to go my own way. That's just too much. If you do that, there's other people that's gonna be affected a whole lot more than you can imagine. You wanna think you gotta look back and see them coming all the time. That's not how it works, but their eyes are on you. And the day you decide to walk away, There's a lot of people that's going to be affected by it. I don't remember in Christ anyone walking away and a good handful of people or more didn't get affected by it. You can't just give up on this. You're responsible once you decide to get involved with this. You're responsible. Verse 2. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the field and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herbs have I given you all things, but the flesh with the life thereof, which is... The blood thereof shall ye not eat. Some people get confused with that scripture. All it's saying is we must not eat uncooked meat or live animals. We must not eat uncooked meat or live animals. So it's important to realize that. Also, one of the things too is if you go a little deeper, God didn't want them to immutilate um, animals. To kill them, you, you, you wasn't supposed to torture animals. You wasn't supposed to make them suffer when you kill them. So even when you're gonna have animals to eat, you're not supposed to torture them. Quick death, don't let them suffer, and then you cook the meat, and then you eat the meat. So God says, all of that stuff, you have dominion over it. Eat, rule, reign, it's all on you. Uh huh. well no it's it's referring more to um, the live meat because you can cook something and blood can still be in it yes no yeah. we got let Brian Henry answer <laughs> you can no 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 you can cook something and blood can still be in it right does that, does that mean it's not cooked? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why you're not supposed to eat raw. Not so much worried about the blood, because you, know, you got people eat blood cake and all that stuff, but that's another story. That's another story. But my point is, you're supposed to make sure the meat is cooked, not eaten raw. And it started, the process is really about, um, not eating live animals. You know, we can be cannibals. We can be all kinds of things, right? And so it's dealing with a man should not be trying to catch a, 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 a cow and try to eat him just like it is. You know, we, we, see, we don't see this thing as we, we think, ah, nobody would do that. Listen, man, we'll do all kinds of crazy things. So we're not supposed to just grab animals and just eat them like that. We're not supposed to torture animals. And when we do kill them for food, we're supposed to cook the food. Not just kill him and eat it like that. Verse 5. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of a man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God... Made he man. Now, let me explain a couple of things in all of that that was just said. The shedding of human blood is sternly forbidden by God. Now, we know morally, absolutely, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. If anyone takes a life, God will find that person out. And execute judgment on that person. Remember Cain? So here is something that we don't know. All the people we read about in the world that committed murder. God deals with them. So everybody that we want to say. Whether they go to the electric chair. Whether they get life or whether they get away with it. God deals with people who sheds people blood. And you know how accurate that is? This is why God said vengeance is mine. Because if somebody shed your family member's blood, you want to kill them. And, and God already got laws for that. Vengeance is mine. And if you take a life, I'll deal with that. So that is how we have to think. If that, it, God forbid that ever happened to any one of us. But if it does, that's how we have to deal with it as a child of God is that Listen, I hate this. This is killing me. This is crazy. I can't imagine this, but you know what? Vengeance belongs to God. And God is going to deal with that individual in God's own way. I don't care how God deal with it. I don't need to know. But God said he will, just like he dealt with Cain. Okay? The first law of propagated, the first law of propagation in the scripture was that law between creator and creature. If the creature refuses to the creator the obedience due to the creator, the creature forfeits all the creator has given him or her and therefore also his life as well. So, This is a view from God's viewpoint. When I created you all, I am the creator. You all are the creature that I created. I am going to take care of you, but you have to obey me. And when you don't obey me, I don't give you. As a matter of fact, if you don't obey me, your life is not worth anything. Why? Because I'm the creator. I created you for a purpose. And if you're not fulfilling the purpose I created you for, what is your life worth? That's from the creator's standpoint. You can go at it any way you want. I am giving you the perspective of the creator. He created you for his purpose. And he expects for you to carry out his purpose, which means he is saying, obey me. And if you don't want to obey me, then you don't have any reason for living because I created you for me. That's that's the truth that we better deal with. We might not like it, but that's the truth. You came here, I came here by the will of God. And he determines why I was why I was why I came here and what I'm supposed to do. That's the first law of propagated. From God. That's the first law. That creature obey creator. First law. Nothing comes before that. Creature obey creator. Let me take a little step further. This why. Well, let me say it this way. And because he went ahead and created us in his image. Since he is the administrator and the sole keeper of his law, he can give us responsibilities to administer his law. This is where order comes in our world. He allows us to govern ourselves through his laws. He's the administrator. He's the owner. He's the one that, that established the laws. But he says, I I created capable creatures that are created in my image that I will entrust with keeping my laws that they need to live by. Which make all the sense in the world when it comes down to why is this going on in the world? Why is that going on in the world? Why is that happening? And why is that happening? Well, he had turned over some responsibilities to us that we're not doing a good job executing. (laughs) And because he's not like us, this is what we do. I want you to take care of that. Make sure everything is good. And, you know, I check in with you. And I'm watching you. He's not even doing what I'm telling him to do. Yo, man, I told you to do this. You didn't? Nah, just... Don't even, just don't do it. I got it. I got it. Don't do anything else. Get out of here. That's what we do. And God says, no, you're capable. You're capable. So I am allowing you to administer my law because you're capable. I made you in my image. You're intelligent. You're sharp. Not to mention, I will be with you every step of the way. But we decide, I'm no longer going to do that. So now we have murder. So now we have all the immorality. Now we have our world in chaos, and we're talking about where's Jesus. That's why, I'm not, that's why I'm not a Christian. That's why I'm not a believer. And all it came down to is you fail to administer God's law, and that's why we're having an issue. You and this one and that. We're failing to administer God's law and we're trying to blame God. Remember the guy in the Bible that God gave the one talent to? Well, I know you was a hard man and so I didn't want to get you upset, so I buried the one talent. God will always hold you accountable for what you're supposed to do. You can't get around that. He says, I am the creator. You are the creature, and so when I give you, I have the authority, I'm the only one to have the authority to give you something to administer and you don't do it, well, we got to talk about that. And so this is what we have going, the creator and the creature, which brings me to the point that I was going to make with you is, and that's why we read about us having dominion over the animals we are the highest intelligence in all the world created with our 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 intelligence are higher than angels angels were not made in the image of god i know angels are smart and all that stuff but what i'm talking about is just our soul that god has given us and how it it it, it is so uh Who we are is the the closest thing to God. And because we are the closest thing to God, our intellect and intelligence are superior to anything else in this world. So God gave us the authority to have dominion over these animals and all that stuff. You can see how God is keeping his law in order. So long as the law was between creator and creature, God himself was not only the sole legislator, but the sole administrator of the law. That law of creator and creature is just what it is. The creator is the sole legislator for the law of that creature. That still happens in everything in life. <laughs> right? Who not how to fix Toyotas better than a Toyota manufacturer? Nobody. And they make the laws for how Toyotas need to be treated. Yes? Uh-huh. So what God has put in place is what needs to happen, we have to realize that law, that first law between creator and creature. If we get that, then it it, it changes everything because now you realize I have no choice but to obey him. You have a choice, but you really don't have a choice. I laugh at the Lord all the time about that. Yeah, God, he gave us choice. But who in their right mind realize they think they have a choice? If you think you have a choice, you're not in your right mind even though God gave us choice. Oh, you better get that one. you wake up tomorrow morning with that one, you're good. Because God gave us choice. But if we're smart enough, we'll know it's really not a choice. (laughs) That's all I'm saying, right? Because if I don't obey God, I'm doomed. If I don't obey God, I will not have eternal life. If I don't obey God, my life is a mess. So why would I disobey God? So he gave us choice. But to me it's not a choice. (laughs) Because man was created in the image of God. Man is competent to administer God's law. God has entrusted us. With the authority to administer his law. And we're. Not being responsible and we're blaming God and we're blaming others instead of realizing I, I have been given a responsibility. You, you have been given a responsibility by God to administer his law, that law of creator to creature. You have been given that authority. So there's nobody to look to and wonder, well, what am I? Well, God God has given you the responsibility to administer what his word says. Verse 7. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. And with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Remember Noah offered sacrifice of praise. Noah offered up sacrifice, and God is just going on and on because you haven't heard Noah spoken to God yet. All Noah did was offer up sacrifice, thanksgiving and praise, and offered up that sacrifice, and God just keeps going and going and going and saying all of these great and wonderful things. Verse 12, and God says, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual generations. And I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you, every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be the cloud, shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant. Between God and every living creature of all flesh that is up on the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is up on the earth. Now, there's a lot going on here. And so God said, from now on, when you see a rainbow, that is your reminder of my covenant that I'm establishing with you that I will not destroy the earth by flood and so we got it going so rainbow usually how and and and, um The scientists and all the smart people um, know a little bit more. But the way our rainbow work is actual clouds and probably a little bit of rain coming down from the cloud and the sun shining on the rain and the cloud. And it gives those beautiful um, rays and light that comes off. And so God is showing us something about his uh, situation there with rainbow. A rainbow... Yes, it's telling us that God will not destroy the earth anymore by flood, but it's also showing us something about God's mercy and God's judgment. Rainbow should remind you of God's mercy and God's judgment because God judged the earth by destroying it by a flood, but now the rainbow is saying, I won't do it again. So you're experiencing two things at the same time. Him saying, remember what happened, but I won't let it happen again. So, it's, it's very important to understand what it's saying. The rainbow is a beautiful emblem of mercy rejoicing against judgment. In James chapter 2, verse 13, the scripture says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that had shown no mercy. Listen to me let me take my time. The scripture is saying in James, those of you who judge people and don't have mercy, the same will be done to you. I'll read it for you now so you can understand it. The King, King James Version, James chapter two, verse 13, for he or she shall have Judgment without mercy that had show no mercy. So you will be judged without anybody showing you mercy if that's how you treat everybody else. So for all of us who's got it all together and like to look down on the ones that don't have it together, you will be judged without mercy. Remember I told you all. I learned how to pray mercy prayers. And if I feel like I've done something wrong in the eyes of God, my prayer always to God is, God, I know you have to judge me for what I've done, but show me mercy in that judgment. (laughs) Now you see where I got that prayer from. Show me mercy in that judgment. Because God can't help but to judge us. It's it's his way of doing things. So every one of us that sin against God, everyone. Every sin will be judged by God. So you better just sneak in that closet and get down on your knees and say, God, I know I sinned against you, but can you have some mercy as you judge me? Please, Lord, have some mercy while you judge me. And how you bring that alive? For God to say, done. How do you treat everybody else when they mess up? How do you treat everybody else when they mess up? Because my Lord, when your time come, God will not show you mercy if you don't show other people mercy when they mess up. And that's what you better learn. So if you pray the prayer, God, I know I've sinned, but show me mercy. If you pray that, but you haven't shown mercy to anybody, Let me take a drink. God not answering that prayer. So you waiting for God to show you mercy in what you have done wrong. And God says, you really think I'm going to show you some mercy? And you didn't show that one mercy. You didn't show that one mercy. You didn't show that one mercy. And the one that you claim you showed mercy to was because they had something on you. (laughs) So don't count that person. Don't count the person that you have in your mind that you like, well, I showed them mercy. Why? Because they had a little something on you. So you showed them mercy because if you didn't, they could have came back at you. So that's the reason why you showed them mercy. Show somebody mercy that they don't have nothing on you. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Not showing mercy places us under the judgment of God. But showing mercy places us under God's mercy as well as His judgment. We will always deserve God's judgment because we can never adequately obey God's royal law without sinning. But our merciful actions are evidence of our relationship with Christ. And it is that relationship that vindicates us. So, remember, I try to get through to you, get this across to you most times. So, if somebody didn't show you mercy, understand this. It's saying something about their relationship with Christ. This is why you don't get worked up about anything almost, man. Because if, if, If you're supposed to show me mercy because I did something wrong and you didn't show me mercy, I don't need to get worked up because it just means you're going to be judged without mercy. Not to mention your relationship with God is not even good. Because if your relationship with God was kind of decent, you would have showed me mercy. God's God is coming and going. There is no way to get around God. Now you, when you really start looking at his word, you realize he is the creator. He is God. Because there's no way around this dude, man. This dude has got everything just laid out on lockdown. Because he's just that good. Verse 18. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman, just a gardener, and or a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered in his tent. This is an example. Again, of everybody having faults. Of everybody. What the Bible says, all have sinned. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's liberating. It's liberating. It's not a, as Paul said, it's not a carte blanche to go sin because all have sinned. But we do understand all have sinned. It's not God's will that you go out and just say, oh yeah, I just sinned because all have sinned. That's not what the Bible's trying to teach us. It's saying we're all going to sin at some point in time, but it's not for us to just go out and sin purposeful. But we all have sinned. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah had faith. Noah was obedient. Noah was righteous. Noah and his family were the only ones that were in the world at the time. And here goes Noah, disobeying God, go drink strong drink. Just saying. Just saying. Now we understand what this thing... Nobody is superior to sin. All have sinned. Because if we we had somebody that didn't sin, Jesus, wouldn't have to come out of heaven. But because all have sinned, then he had to come out of heaven because he was the only sinless one. So even as great as Noah was, as much as Noah just followed God and obeyed God, Noah decided... Like some of y'all decide sometimes. Well, I've had a good run with God. We've been doing all right. Let me just take me a nice drink. <laughs> he sipped the first time. I said, ooh, that's good. Kept sipping. Well, you know what? Noah was staggering. <laughs> he didn't stagger on the ark, but now he's staggering. My Lord, Noah, what happened? So Noah drank, and Noah... Got so drunk that he just just got all reckless and crazy, uncovered, and and messed up. Verse twenty-two, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren. Without. Let me talk about this for a second here. There is a scripture. In Galatians, that you hear me quote all the time, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Anybody want to find it real quick and just, and, and and blurt it out loud? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If somebody wants to just blurt it out when they get it, that would be outstanding. Uh-huh. Here you go. I know, I know, I know. As soon as you started, I knew. Because I read that one all the time, and I read the King James Version. So that was clear about what Ham did. He saw his dad taking over in the fault. He was supposed to help him out. But what what did he do? He go to, he, he told, come look at this. It doesn't change for any one of us. If we see our brother or sister taken over by a fault, we're not supposed to bring somebody else and say, look, she ain't right. Oh, man, I wish we can get that part right. So all we do. We, 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 we see people messing up and, we, we, and the devil is so good at that game. He knows exactly who to send you to that will agree with you. So, you know, you see it, and instead of you doing the right thing, he will send you to the right person. And you go hook up with the right person, and they're going to want to come look with you. Yeah, let me see. And now instead of getting that person restored, you and your buddy started talking about the person. Man, I wish we would get that part right. Because all have sinned keeps coming back. All have sinned. So when I see my brother or sister not doing right, I got to try to help them. But remember what I said the other day? Our issue is we're not spiritual. So we're it's a double whammy. So here's the problem. Trumpy you messing up, and I see you messing up, and so instead of me going over there and doing the right thing, I go get Kamal and say, "Look at him, he's messing up." But you know what my problem is? He messing up, but my problem is I'm not spiritual either. So we're all messed up. Because if I was spiritual, I would never call him. I would be so spiritual, I would be able to go to him in gentleness and help him get right. Remember what I told you Sunday? I'm going to learn how to start repeating myself. But remember what I told you Sunday? When anybody come to you, when you know maybe you slipped up somewhere, anybody come to you and try to come to you any kind of way. As soon as they come to you, you can tell right away if they come to get you restored or they come in to try to prove a point. And as soon as they come trying to prove a point, you just tap them real nice and say, listen, when you get spiritual, we can talk about this. We're not talking about this right now. Done. Done. Why? Because you're coming to show your superiority to say, yeah, I never did that. That ain't restoration. God wants restoration. You're coming to prove you're superior. That you didn't do that sin. That ain't of God. That is not of God. So God has instructed me to instruct you that when somebody do that to you, just say to them, sister, you know I love you, but you don't seem like you're in a good spiritual place right now to to." for me to discuss this with you. She can get mad, he can get mad all he wants. Because you know from the teaching of the Bible, the first thing that must be demonstrated when they're coming is a whole lot of meekness and a whole lot of love. So if that person don't approach you with meekness and love, they're trying to do something against you. They're not showing mercy and Lord help them because they won't be, oh God help us tonight. They're not coming with mercy. And you, you know what? Lord, you're good. Check this out. That answer you gave them might be saving their soul. Man, Holy Ghost. That answer you gave, them, this is what God told me the other day, and that answer you gave them might just save their butt because you didn't allow them to exercise that, 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 that superiority and no judge, no mercy. Because all you did was, you know I love your sister Sharon. When you get a little bit more spiritual, we'll talk about it, but we can't talk about it right now. And so, Sister Sharon walk away as opposed to all in my face and then turn it into something nasty. So, I might have helped her out just a tad bit if she's not too far gone because of my good answer. What the Bible says, the Holy Ghost operating a soft answer. The Holy Ghost working for all of us, huh? Yeah. So hands and turn back wrath. Uh huh. So God is so sharp that everything He tells all of us is to help all of us. Is never to put none of us down. So the person that may be on the right side, God is dealing with them to do it the right way. And the person that's on the wrong side, God is helping them to get on the right side. That's how God operates. When we're trying to position ourselves, superiority, or trying to put something down so we can stay up, oh, man, it's, it's never of God. It's just not of God because that's not the way God operates. And so Noah fall into a bad situation, his fault, and his son, instead of his son helping him, you had a question? <laughs> instead of his son helping him, his son talked about him. Here is, here, here, here is something that's pretty interesting. Instead of his son covered him, his son exposed him. So now we're still on that same thing. When you see somebody doing something, do you expose them or do you cover them? Love covers the multitude of sin. Man, God. What what are you doing, Lord? He is just, God is so amazing. And so he used this, this, this uncover and cover to show us this uncover and cover. So I have a choice when I see you doing wrong. I can expose you more, which means I'm not showing you mercy, which means I'm going to deal with the Lord with no mercy, or I can cover you. By making sure nobody else know you're wrong. All him had to do was make sure nobody else knew about his dad. Daddy drunk. That's not my dad. He doesn't look right being drunk. Let me try to make sure my dad is okay. Dad is not right. Let me take care of my dad. But instead he called the other two brothers. He didn't get the response that he was supposed to get. 'Cause if he did, they would have been cursed too. So the response that he got probably was, What's wrong with you? You were supposed to cover dad back up. And and they went to go cover their dad up. So again, God is showing us clearly. You don't uncover, you cover. Charity covers a multitude. We're supposed to cover each other. we're not supposed to be out to 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 uncover to make people see you in your worst state. No, we're supposed to cover each other we're supposed to make sure everybody's good it's not it's not the will of God it's not how God do things that we yeah. And most of the times we want other people to look bad because in, in, in our case, maybe we look bad at some point in time. So you want them to seem like they're, they're no better than you. So I got to make sure people know that, that they're no better than me. But what happened to your relationship with God? Because if you have a real relationship with God, you don't have to worry about how you look because God's got that. Just like how one time my crazy friend, I'm not going to tell you who my crazy friend is. One time my crazy friend post a post that says, if God saved me once, he can save me again. And man, that resonated for months. And he's right. He's right. So if God can pull you out of the world and clean you up and change your name, and somehow you got messed up and, and you backslide, why can't he do it again? Why can't he do it again? So God can save you again and again, and again. And so, if you messed up, he can fix you up. So you might have had a good name the first go around and you messed up. God will give you a good name again. So if you really have a real relationship with God, you don't have to bring other people down to your level of where you might not be, where you are at the time not doing well just so you can say, see, everybody ain't right. There are people that want to prove that I messed up, but so do a lot of other people. Don't talk like that. This is about you, not about everybody else. We, we do stuff like that. Yeah, I know I messed up, but you're, you're trying to find your way to make sure everybody knows well, they messed up and they messed up and they messed up. What are you, a kid? No, you messed up. Just own it and trust God in it. God's got your back. God is about restoration. God is about covering you up. God is not about exposing you. So you don't have to worry about trying to prove to everybody that. That one messed up and that one messed up. No, 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 no. If you messed up, just, I did. And just deal with it. God will take care of you. God, will, You stick with God and God will fix you up again. Verse 23, And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. So clearly, you see that the other two brothers didn't indulge like Ham did. They probably told them off, probably mushed them. <laughs> I don't know. Probably told them off, like, what are you doing? We should always cover our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to cover their nakedness, not expose it. And so, Noah woke up from his drunkenness and knew what his younger son had done unto him. A lot of people um let me mess with you all from what I said earlier. Some people want to say, "Well, how did he know?" We want to get deep into Does it matter how did he know? No, but we want to know how did he know? It could just be God, well, God could have talked to him, prophecy could have been working in his life, or his sons could have told him. I don't know. But to me, that's not what's important. That he knew. Bottom line was, his son didn't do right. 25, and he said, curse! Be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. So he didn't he didn't say right away, Cursed be Ham, but he said, Cursed be Canaan, which was Ham last born. Ham was the last born son of Noah. And Canaan was the last born son of Ham. So he was the one that the curse fell upon was Canaan. And he says, He will be a servant unto his brothers. Now, again, there's some people that's teaching stuff that forward till today because we know that um, Ham um, was responsible for the black race when they finally departed and went different ways. We know Shem was responsible for the Jewish race and some of the um, Middle Eastern and Asian. And then we know Japheth was the one that populated the European race. And so we want to say, well, this race is cursed. No, just, just keep it where God kept it at. He said, curse be Canaan. He didn't say all of Canaan's um, children. He said, curse be Canaan. You follow what I'm saying? So I don't want to stretch it out and try to make it more than it is because I just got to go by the word. Curse be Canaan. He didn't say curse be Canaan's descendants and descendants. And he said, curse be Canaan. All right. Verse 26. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. It didn't say black people will be a servant. It says Canaan. So again, I'm just leaving it right where it is. Now, this is interesting though. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Now why did Shem get that kind of honor? God is Shem's God? Why wasn't God Ham's God? Why wasn't God Japheth God? This simply just could be prophecy. Understanding that Shem was going to be the one who reverence God more than the other ones. I won't go deep in it because I don't try to make up stuff that you know we we can make in the doctrine. I just stick with what the word is telling me. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood three hundred and fifty years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Long life. life. Any questions? Yes? I don't want to go too deep to make you start making doctrine out of it. (laughs) Cain. Well, Noah said that Canaan will be servant to his brother's. So Canaan will serve his other brothers because of his sin that he committed. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Canaan was Ham's, was, um, Ham's son. So you know when he say brother, it could just be it could be their sons as well as it could be. So so he ended up being a servant um, of of that time. Okay. What's that? <laughs> what is that? It says, uh, racist interpretations of these verses have attempted to justify slavery of African Americans. Yep. Such a reading is incorrect. These verses reference the struggle that Israel would have with the Canaanite. There you go. It's, it's, it doesn't come this far. We made it into doctrine, but I'm just saying. I, I just, I just, I just go with the Bible for what the Bible says, and I don't try to, because, you know. Any other questions? We good? Yes, sir. hmm So with the scripture of Galatians six one, right? hmm How do we fall into perspective of like the news or with our criminal department of how like they expose Well, They're they're not Christians. Remember this. One of the best things to know about the Bible, from Romans to Jude, from Romans to Jude, they're called epistles, meaning they're written to Christians. So all of those teachings are teachings for Christians. Now, will somebody of the world do it? Will it, will it? will it be good? Sure it would, but they're not Christian. So all of it is written to Christians. So in Galatians chapter 6, um, when you start reading it, you'll see that, you know, Paul's talking about brethren. Brethren. You know, Brother Henry Bible probably didn't start out saying brethren, because, you know, it's the NIV. But 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 if you read the original, it started out by saying brethren. So it's saying brothers, okay? So we know brothers are supposed to take care of brothers. So we're not supposed to expose each other, right? It starts with us. How we live our lives, the world is supposed to see our light shine. And they're supposed to see, wow. And that should be what makes them want to be Christians. So for them... It doesn't apply to bottom line because they're living how they want to live. They're not living according to the word of God. So, but if they do this, it would be great. But, you know, it's for us. Any other questions? Going once? Going twice? Gone. Mama Trump, you had a question? No? It's gone. All right. (laughs) Jesus, you're amazing. You are amazing awesome. You are wonderful. Lord, how can we not continue to just seek you out, know you, obey you? You're amazing. You're incredible. And oh my God, everything that's been discussed here tonight, my God, let it take us to a new dimension in you. Lord, there is understanding tonight. There's revelation tonight. And oh my God, if we can just... Apply the word of God. Obey the word of God that we've discussed here tonight. We, O God, will grow in you. We, O God, will mature in you. Help us, Lord, to allow these words to continue to reverberate in our heart and mind and to, to continue, Lord God, to grow. Let it be living inside of us, growing and producing good fruit. Lord, I pray tonight. That we will become doers like we've never been of your word. More than hearers, we will become doers, Lord God. Lord, touch us in a special way. As we go to our respective place of dwelling, we pray your hand upon us that you'll keep us and guide us. Bless us, Lord, and bring us back together again in Jesus' name.